Oh no. This is not DS9. Oh no. How did I get here? Oh no, this is not my beautiful Terracore. Oh no. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we'll be going through... Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we we go through Star Trek Deep Space Nine, but that's that's not what we're doing right here. I don't think so. Today we're doing we're going above and beyond. Uh, we're doing yeah, an we, obligatory movie episode, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Diving for you, clicks in the movie review podcast. <laughs> right. You do a Star Trek podcast? Did you talk about that Beyond movie? Uh, yes. Yeah, fine. I guess I guess, I guess we did. <laughs> yes. But no, we're excited to do so. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, no. We're happy to be here. Yeah, James is just saw it today, but yeah, we're here. I just saw it uh, this yeah. morning. The Rules of Acquisition, your favorite uh, J.J. Kelvin Universe Trek re- reboot podcast. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about the new Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond, directed by Justin Lin, written by Simon Pegg, and some other guy that he got uh, yeah, yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah, his writing partner. Yes. I've got the IMDb description if you want it. Yeah, go for it. Uh, do you want to tell everybody who's talking? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. In case you don't know, jumping on just for this, my name is Wade Bowen. Uh, with me, as always, in the regular is uh, James Nolan. Uh, hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. Yes. Uh, the IMDb description is as follows. Star Trek Beyond. The USS Enterprise crew explores the furthest reaches of uncharted space, where they encounter a new ruthless enemy who puts them and everything the Federation stands for to the test. Directed by Justin Lin, writers like we said, Simon Pegg and Doug Young. Uh, stars Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto. Doug Young is Carl actually um, uh, is actually uh, Sulu's husband in the movie. Oh, okay. Oh, very yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, I think you guys, I think we, we, we haven't really talked about how we felt about this movie. Should we preface this by expressing how we feel about the first two Kelvin universe movies? Yeah. Do you want to go first? I, I mean, I I don't know. Like I, I, um, I liked the first one quite a bit. I've probably seen it the least of the two. I think I've seen it maybe just the once, but it seemed like fun and exciting, and 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 it was a great J.J. Abrams movie. It didn't feel right, but you know it didn't feel like Star Trek, but it was fun. The second movie I got problems with. I thought yeah, it was most I, everybody has problems yeah, with that second yeah, one. I have the same problems everybody else does. Like you know, if you at, on a second viewing, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, everybody see all the characters seem off. It ends with Spock punching. Con in the face a bunch, and I think calling him like a motherfucker or something. <laughs> like it's just kind of weird. So uh, I, yeah. I, I didn't. Uh, over time, I, it seems like I liked it in the theater, and then I, like it, it, like as the day went on, as the night went on, and the next day, like I liked it less and less. Like it, its spirit left me. Yeah. So it's like every other J.J. Abrams movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I uh, mean, I'm still I'm, a lover of Force Awakens, but yes, yes. Most so am I, but at the same time. So a lot of it's departed. Yeah. 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 It's, it's it, it, the, the gas kind of seeps out mm. after, as you sit with it. 
after. But yeah, no, I, I kind of feel the same way about the reboot Kelvin Universe movies and he, as well. Like, first one was fun. I, I actually, the second one I was in the theater, I was like, no, it was fine. I didn't mind the latent rehash mirror flipping yeah. oh instead of yeah, I didn't mind that the con. You know, I was like, oh, I, <laughs> see, I see what you did there, JJ. Yeah. Oh, look, they got Section 31, you know, which is a DS9 invention. And yeah. and this new movie has some other callbacks to not necessarily 31, but even, for, but what we'll get to that. But then as I went through and lived with the second one, it pissed me off. My main thing wasn't even the fact that they lied about... Con. Yeah, Con. It was more that, like, you know, the social justice warrior in me is like, I thought, I mean, I know Ricardo <laughs> Maltabaum is not exactly Sikh either, but at least, you know, he's not a pasty British guy. But then at the yeah. same time, they do go through the trouble of explaining in the movie that he's been surgically altered so he, people don't recognize him as Con. So right. even that way, I was like, okay, it's fine. They, <laughs> it's a cop-out, though. It's it still. is a cop-out. Like, I mean, it's like, a total cop-out. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think we're living in an age where there are Indian American actors or Indian British actors who actually could have pulled this off. <laughs> well, like, like who? Like who? Like Alexander De- Sadiq? No, Deb Patel. <laughs> I don't know. I would have bought a Deb Patel. No, like, who's the guy who yeah, played yeah. the captain in the first Kelvin movie? George Bruce? Kirk's captain. That that guy oh. would have. <laughs> they already used him. I well, I know, but I'm just saying. I mean, it's just like it's possible. Yeah, yeah. let's not say it's not. But we're, we're not here to talk about that movie. I think everybody yeah. agrees that movie we weren't is here. not we, we, well loved. We weren't around back then to beat that movie. With <laughs> yeah, stick, so, so yeah, we agree with you, nerds. I, except I think, for Hugh. I actually liked the second one. Uh, I had a really good time with the second one, and I haven't re- I haven't revisited it at all since I saw it in the theater. But I left the theater feeling like it was fun. I, I actually like I did too. At the end of it, they finally played the Star Trek theme in the closing credits, and I was like, "Okay, no, I'm on board. This is just a prequel to the actual five year mission." Okay, right, fine. Mm-hmm. I can. It was a little bit of a tease, though. I did remember thinking that it really Bruce, was. Oh, uh, uh, Green. Uh, what's his name? Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood's Star Trek sideburns were like out of control in the second one, and that one <laughs> bothered me a little bit. Well, I was going to say, it's got my favorite trait of any uh, movie can have. It has a character from Robo, an actor from RoboCop in it. Because Peter Weller was in it, and I just kind of like, for oh, like five yeah, minutes, I just kind of right. kicked out. I was like, RoboCop's in this movie. Yeah, yeah. RoboCop's right. in this movie. I, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, anytime anybody from RoboCop shows up, Robo- we're like, eh, okay, yes. we well, give it a pass. You know what? That, I forgot about that whole... It hasn't aired yet, but evil, listen, we do that in the podcast. The evil ship <laughs> that was like a part of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, the I, vengeance. There were some yeah. problems with the second one that maybe I didn't enjoy so much. But anyway, Star Trek Beyond, here we are. They're three years into the, the movie opens up. They're three years. First of all, we're going to be we're going to talk about spoilers. So oh, yeah. This is not a spoiler free recap. Uh, well, I mean, it starts the three year mission. Kirk is bored because space is so boring. We're going to go we're into spoiler about, territory. We're going to pl- well, lower the spoiler. We're talking about how despondent Kirk is at the beginning of this movie, and it's one of the Cause, things. Because it's, yeah, hey, one day is just like the other. Sports exploring unexplored reaches of the galaxy. One alien race is like the other. You go down, you fix a planet. You go to the next planet, you fix their problems, you move on. It's just so episodic. Yeah. Okay. Fine. The movie starts on kind of a bummer where Kirk isn't really <laughs> that gotta, into his job. He's got ennui, man. Yeah. He's got ennui. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you guys had a problem with that, too. It's kind of a bummer place to start, especially well, when you when I've been yeah. excited for two movies to see them on their in their five-year mission. To, when we finally get to see them in the thick of it, 
the Kirk is not into it. And the what prop what a problem I had with the first movie is that he spends his whole time in the cadet uniform. You don't mm-hmm. actually get to see him in his iconic gold shirt until the very last shot. And then I don't even remember his uniform for this for the second movie. But here we finally get to see him in his gold shirt, and it's a symbol of monotony. And I kind of right. I was kind of irritated by that. Yeah, the whole his whole his whole character is in service uh, so that they can get an episodic pun and so that hey remember it's just like an episode uh-huh. well they're trying to do that you're right with that that sort of scene but what they're trying to do with his own we is that they're trying to parallel it later in the movie with idris elba's sort of you know i was a soldier i was a fighter and now they right, put me right. on a ship and told me to like be nice you know like there was no like conquering there was no sort of battle and it was that sort of boredom right. Of the Federation. Yeah. And so this movie, and I think it tries to tear on, like, I'm going to, like, say that, like, I love this movie because I think it tied into one of my favorite themes that Star Trek explores, which is, like, utopia. There are people who yeah. hate utopia. See, I, I saw that that's what they were trying to do yeah. with the crawl villain. I, like, they, yes. all the, in all the PR lead up, they're like, oh, we've got this villain who really challenges what the Federation is about. And it's like, I see the kind of attempts they did to do that but it, it didn't really sell on me like it felt well the problem the problem with it is that they wanted to keep the reveal till as late as possible so all of the unpacking had to happen while they're doing these fantastical things with a gravity and like so it's by the end where you're like through this giant action set piece where you're trying to do all right. this character swapping and motivation conversations but it's just right. like kind of at well, the they wrong do, they kind of set up even before the big reveal with crawl that his whole point of view before you learn the the big reveal at the end is that forward progress is not made through complete uh, through peace it's made through people fighting for what they want you know it's like if they had tried to sell better like mm-hmm. oh no we have all these advances because of war the humans made it to the moon because of the space race and when you get peace and complacency then things are that's not where progress comes from that would have been I felt like that somewhere in the script there was the seeds of that was the argument but they should have sold that more yeah if they'd had a conversation where let's say crawl is able to i don't know tie kirk like the the stereotypical tie kirk to a chair right, and right. expels you know yeah. like the james bond scene where he gets to sort of unravel his motivations i think the motivation would have made more sense but they didn't want to do that scene no there was like one or two scenes where he says it running but it's like they, it doesn't, do it they don't they don't yeah. spend time <laughs> enough to really flesh it out yeah, yeah. I, I I think we all kind of had problems with the with the characterization of the bad guy and and his motivations and how they were explained. So yeah. it didn't really jive that well, and it was kind of it kind of uh, nagged at me as I'm watching. A little I'm bit. Like, God, this bad guy is a little too one dimensional to be something's up because it's too one dimensional. It's like it almost tipped its. Well, hand. I got that there was something going on there yeah. because you when they're inside the USS Franklin and they're watching the video of the crew, yeah. like I know I know Idris Elba. I could I could tell when Strang is on the screen and they have like a brief moment with his back yeah. turned. I was like, that's Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, and that's I think. Everybody. like that yeah and then like i think like a scene later like they do a thing not not like right, this right, is right. like earlier when it was just uh, yeah, 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 yeah. i know what you're saying yeah, 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 I, yeah. I did too i thought yeah i was, I was first, like i was like that's strange i thought yeah. for a second like i could have swore that was him too but mm-hmm. i thought you know maybe they gave it oddly enough i'm like well maybe they gave him a shot to be out of makeup like right right yeah, but, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was a dimwit on that. I didn't put it together either, but most I feel like a lot of people the did. The MacGuffin was, I feel like the MacGuffin was kind of tiresome. Yeah, well, that was um, another. I, it, was I, overall, Macguff- it was a pure. It was a pure. Yeah, it was like, but... well, there was like this is this movie. It's not a JJ movie, but it's produced and it suffers from the same shitty MacGuffin that I feel like every JJ Abrams movie suffers. Because yeah, I I have no problem with MacGuffins. They're useful tools. You know, they're good in movies. Mo- yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna and, make and, that point. And you know, everybody's like, oh, a guff- MacGuffin doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have to. It's just what they're after, which is true. But also, we're watching them for a reason. You need it to mean well, something yeah. more. Yeah, right. or, yeah. Like the mm-hmm. Ark of the Covenant is a MacGuffin in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, and they're chasing it the whole time, but it still means something because it's a big deal. Whereas this, it's just another every JJ. Because JJ, this is my whole beef with JJ Abrams movies even Force Awakens is he knows exactly how to get you to feel an emotion on screen but not to how to make a story resonate with you nothing sticks to the ribs yeah after you're done watching yeah no I agree with that yeah I I think one of the problems I had with is um, the Enterprise is itself the ship itself is so central to Trek and it's their home away from a home it means a lot to what you're seeing the character it's like the unifying common mm-hmm. denominator it's the thing that they're all having and to see it always destroyed in these movies is a little bit tiresome yeah i was really bummed out about that it was a bummer but at the same time i felt like this is a more interesting dis- enterprise destruction than a lot of them shearing off the nacelles and then getting the engineering section to me it's like okay well if we're gonna do destruction porn of the enterprise let's just do it slow and just yeah. It's like torture porn for the like Star Trek ship. Yeah, and let's just say that this is where Justin Lin, bringing on Justin Lin was like a really smart thing. Oh, me, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, felt yeah, like yeah. is because if you've watched any of the later day, I know none of us are, I'm not huge Fast and the Furious fans, but I think I've watched one of the I've newer ones. I've seen one of them too. The they're Just, actually, Justin Lin's yeah, they're the great. Pretty, yeah, the guy knows what he's doing when he comes to those kinds of, that kind of filmmaking. And it's not something that everyone can do. And so all of the sequences that I, I think that you're right where it's now the third, fourth time in a movie that they've destroyed the Enterprise. Uh, yeah, it's more than that. No, six. Did it get destroyed in, in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness? Uh, well, it got it got the fucked up. Yeah, no, it landed on Earth. Yeah, it got yeah. destroyed. So yeah. you have the, yeah. It's the second time it had to land on a planet. Yeah, you're See, right. It's in the, in the in the Kelvin thing, and then you have to say that they destroyed it in three. They destroyed it in generations. generations yeah. Generations. I think they destroyed it in yeah, five, and Nemesis or, or whatever the last one was. They destroyed it again, probably. The, right? Yeah, they destroyed it in Nemesis again. So you're right. That's a go-to thing. I, that being said, I think I would wait. This is the best of the destructions of the right. It has to be. It has to be the best. I mean, you can't at this yeah. point if you're not going to do it well, then you're really going to. And we don't don't really want this to become an arms race where each movie we're just asking, how well do they destroy the Enterprise? I I I wanted to see the Enterprise in action. It's it's the best ship in the fleet. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to see it torn to shit every movie. Right, right. Well, they have to to have something to show off the new designs for the Enterprise in the next movie because they they're gonna have a new designer for the film. So they're like, oh, wait a minute, we have to show this. Well, let's get rid of the old one. Hopefully, the next movie that's already been announced with the, the other Chris, Chris Helmsworth or whatever, they will not decide to destroy the ship. I feel like they probably won't. Hopefully not. And I have to say, with the like the design of this movie, I think my biggest 
I think I kind of liked it in the first movie just because you haven't seen like a new yeah. polished trick. So that the, like, the, like mm-hmm. the, the enterprise looking like an, like an Apple store, like, you know, yeah, that I liked in that, but there's something as it goes on where you're trying to actually put these movies into the context of Star Trek, as I understand it, where that look just seemed garish or yeah like it, it, it didn't seem yeah. classic trek no. and so like i was thinking about this while watching the rogue one trailer and you see like you know because rogue one is filmed days before the first star trek the star wars movie and like they go back to that aesthetic that 1977 aesthetic mm-hmm. and there's something about seeing a new movie set in that that world it just it feels right and i felt like there was something about it not like the look of this movie just doesn't feel right. But then halfway through, they destroy it and they spend most of the time on this USS Franklin. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was a great choice. Which does feel like old yes. track. And right. It's a submarine movie. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, let's put them back in a submarine. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, mm-hmm. that's, oh, that's that, a great that way works. to put it. I didn't even think about it like that. But you're absolutely right. So it helps me. And there was even shots like when they were all being imprisoned by crawl and all of that, where you see like the line of those bright reds and yellows of blue shirts. The aesthetic seems back. Mm-hmm. And there was something about it that seemed and felt more like I was watching a modern interpretation of the old show as sure. opposed to a yeah. polished Apple Store version remake of an old show. Right. You know? Yeah, for all my gripes that I've just made in the first uh-huh. you know 20 minutes of this or whatever i actually really enjoyed the movie this is probably yeah, of, all really the, of all the reboot movies this is my favorite i think i can say really say yeah i think so yeah yeah no i think so too because they actually go somewhere the first one was fine i liked it but they're defending the earth the whole time like that's not star trek that's not what i well, they, they go to vulcan and yeah then and they, they come back and, they, and then it's a race back yeah yeah they go to vulcan but they don't spend time traveling they it feels like though just to throw there's a few there, I, I i know what you mean i mean i want to see them in the midst of their five it takes 10 minutes to go to vulcan and back that's it that should be like a big travel yeah, yeah. I, I i i know what you're saying i didn't like the travel uniforms i didn't like the weird Off the world. weird coats all the zippers yeah and... i i, I want to see them in their classic uniform yeah and I, running around their classic uniform. they were for like i mean you see like i mean specifically spock and bones they've got that on now that for was most... some great stuff Oh, that was great stuff. I actually think that the actual structure and plot of this, other than how the villain is sort of handed out to us, like what we were talking about earlier, about that they, they, they get to the reveal too late for it to have any emotional resonance, other than just stop the bad guy from doing the bad thing. Um, outside right. of right. that... With, with the super powerful, with the MacGuffin. you know, <laughs> MacGuffin weapon that doesn't seem that powerful or that... Like, exactly. this is what you've been searching for years and years for? It's just like a, yeah. a descrambler, you know, yeah. let's dematerialize atoms everywhere thing. Okay, fine. It yeah, it didn't seem yeah. destructive. But I actually think that the actual script, the Simon Pegg script for this, is pretty, pretty, like, awesome. Right. Like, I think that the way they did it in, like, you know, you're going through beats that you're that you've seen and felt before but i do think that it felt like i don't think it felt like star trek the show but i definitely think it felt like like if this was this was one of the original cast movies which would be ridiculous because they were 60 and (laughs) doing these stunts and stuff would be ridiculous to think of but this movie felt like that i think that the spock and bones interplay specifically felt like that right i think that really smart like this would have been the first movie i think that kirk and the first two movies was kind of treated as like a young brash asshole yeah mm-hmm. and this is the first time where i think that he touches upon the shatner i don't want to say world weariness but like that shatner had like a he conveyed sort of like a like a like a macho maturity that i don't think that pierce pine had gotten before but I, he definitely gets in this mm-hmm. one. 
I was thinking of like Shatner from specifically, let's say from Wrath of Khan. Right, right. Where that I'm a man, I'm a, I'm, I'm a man who's maybe a little bit older, a little bit more mature than the people around me, but I'm still kind of like a, you know, I still want to, you know, I'm still kind of like a shit, you know, shit kicker. I still like to be that dumb, brash asshole. And I don't know, I think that Chris Prime bought, brought that a little bit in this script. And I don't, I don't know, like I think it felt more like the first, the good movies. Of, of the original yeah. cast. One of the things I keep seeing over and over again is, well, you can't make those kind of movies nowadays because everything has to be in action and, and people are yeah. lamenting the character stuff was great in this, but there still wasn't, you know, but there could have been more, except there couldn't have been because you can't do that in the movies anymore, which feels like kind of a cop. I've heard, I've heard a lot of critics even say that. You can't make movies like that it anymore. It is a cop out. And I, well, like, they, they don't, they can't mark, but I kind of want to call bullshit on that whole mentality. It's like, Would yeah. you have really wanted to watch, would you have really wanted to watch, like, let's say Star Trek Insurrection, which is like a Star Trek movie that is a Star Trek episode. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, that, that was just shown in movie theaters. No, no, like, but if it were like a, you know, just a submarine movie like Khan, where they're just behind screens and just naval battles, I would have, yeah, fine. I, yeah, that's true. But Yeah. yeah I would I, wait on that. No, 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 I think so. I'm just, I, I was thinking about this because it's, it's the only thing now that, you know, we talk a lot about television currently and we talk a lot about like, it's, that's the only thing that movies can do that television can't. And it doesn't always have to be blowing up the enterprise. Right. But and I understand you're not going to sell a movie like that. There is something fun about watching the spectacle of them having to slide down the, while starting the, when they're in the saucer after mm. it's fallen on the yeah. planet. And they're and having they're to run. sliding down the saucer. And they're sliding down and then the things make the whole saucer flip over. Like there was something about that where you're like. That was, that was a, that was a fun sequence. The turncoat when like, he gets and, squashed, the traitor. Yeah. Just, like, okay. Yeah. I have a technical question for you guys real quick. Um, mm-hmm. The print that I saw, it felt like some of the scenes were like kind of, I can't tell if the print itself was dark. No, yeah. mine, mine was dark too. No, I think, I think they There's all no were. There's no print. It's just, yeah, especially. Think, was it dark? It was. was it dark yeah. for you guys? It really was. And yeah. I thought I had a hard, that was a technical thing, like a directing thing that I had a problem with. Like it was, sometimes it was dark and I had a hard time figuring out what I'm watching. Exactly. I almost felt I the same problem, yeah. yeah. I, was like, I almost felt I'm, it was I'm, uniformly dark. And so like, maybe it was just like the transfer was weird. I thought so too, but yeah, I, I think that, I, that. I think that's a common, yeah, I was like, am I going to have to buy this or watch this on my TV where I can turn the contrast up to see what exactly is going exactly. on? Mm-hmm. And Yeah, which is a little annoying. Oh, I felt like I was like 80 years old <laughs> doing that too. Like, I'm, I'm worried that it was just me. Like, if you guys said, no, that was just you. I was like, I'm, I'd have to worry about myself. Well, not because, you or it could have been the theater. They just couldn't have the well, lumens no, I was on the... Seriously, mm-hmm. I was seriously distracted by it. And I think that I was hurt my my enjoyment of the film a little bit and i think if it was a technical thing on the director's part then it was a that was a, a mark against him as far yeah, as yeah I, I think a lot of theaters do but like if you're watching it in a theater where they also show 3d movies and they f- switch forget to switch the lens right mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll have darker films if it's a 2d version versus a 3d but i don't think that was the case because we've all had that we all had the same issue i think so maybe. yeah okay. we all watched it yeah, 2d and- I watched it in 2D. I watched it in 2D. Yeah, me too. I almost watched okay. it in 4D in roller coaster seats, and I couldn't justify it. <laughs> oh my God. I might go back and do the, it. Uh, yeah. The I liked uh, I liked quite a bit about it. I liked a lot of the characterization, and I liked the pairings uh, mm-hmm. that they had of the characters. I, my one complaint, maybe that I think 
I don't think this, I think this is the third Star Trek in a movie in a, in a row that fails women. I don't think that it passed the Bechdel test at all. No. Well, I don't oh, think yeah. a woman t- got to talk to another woman. Well, they could only have one woman talking at a time. Jayla comes in <laughs> and could, she's their big new female he, character. And then they're like, well, but sorry, we can't have Jayla her talk to great. She's great, but notice she doesn't talk to Uhura once in the whole damn movie. No. And when, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, so, which is a little problematic. That was my complaint. Yeah. Uh, you're right, I it thought, doesn't pass the Bechtel test. Yeah. I thought, it was like, here we go, we're in the future, we have this utopian, and they completely fail women again. Yeah, like, yeah. third time out. And and it's really great that they made, you know, I don't agree with George Takei, I'm glad Sulu's gay or whatever, but I'm a little <clears> disappointed <throat> with them that they, you know, I'm sure they cut it for time if you ask, but there was a kiss in there that they cut out oh, okay. oh so yeah. you wanted to see penetration <laughs> yeah you're right yeah but they'll say they cut it for time but i'm pretty sure they cut any gay kiss they cut in there so they could sell it to china or whatever other country where they couldn't have that yeah yeah, yeah. and that's the i was you were talking about passing the back tail test and i think that i'm not giving this movie a pass by any because you had a very clear case to do that with uh jayla and uhura or having someone talk to the Admiral, who's the oh, right. great Middle Eastern actress. Uh, <laughs> You're talking about barely passing it. I, no, it, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, but no, yeah, but like to blow the to blow the doors off, you would have to like have more females in leadership positions, which they, you know, which they're tied to mimicking the 1967 cast. Right. Not so, in leadership positions, but like the one, the lady who held the MacGuffin in yeah. her head. <laughs> She could have switched places with Chekhov, okay? By the way, that was a dumb reveal. That was a, like, that made me question Kirk. You put it in her head, like... Yeah. Like, you know, like... Where's that maturity you were talking about? (laughs) That's true. Hey, can I borrow you for a minute? Can you help me out with something? (laughs) Let me stick this in your crap head. Can I stick it? Is that offensive? Is it? If I just... Do you see an alien? They might as well have had somebody with a beehive hairdo and just stick it in that. (laughs) Right. What purpose? What are you you should have like um, uh, pocket watched it. Yeoman Rand's beehive. You're always talking about the evolutionary purposes. Yeah, you're always talking. About, you're always talking about these evolutionary purposes of these weird alien physiques. What the fuck? Having like a like a like a secret like a like a secret box like from your head. Yeah, like that why would that? Me. You know, you know, every person has a secret place to buy. You just keister that thing. That's all yeah. you do. <laughs> you put. <laughs> But it was like, uh, I love this race. that They all have a little thing in their head where you can put your weed in there, man. <laughs> yeah. What's this race? Yeah. where you put your weed, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, man. Just ask my girlfriend. We can hide. <laughs> She's cool, man. Another another thing you, about about this this movie, yeah, I think that we all are anxious to talk about it, is it, it weirdly ties into Enterprise. Oh, yes. yes. That's, that's the oh, yes. big reveal. In, our Enterprise finishes. Wait, can we just say that, do we need to explain to our fans what Bechtel test, what the Bechtel test is? That's pretty common, uh, go- we... Google it. No. Yeah, or, you yeah, go- yeah Google you don't the know Bechtel it, test. You, you know how to work, Google. If you've if you figured out how to download this <laughs> podcast, you could certainly find out. Yeah, what that that's is. true. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've just had to explain it to people before when I'm mentioning it, so I don't know if it's casually understood or just... I think among yeah, our audience is savvy enough to know what probably, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> they're smart okay. people. Yeah, but what, they're yeah. smart. They can figure it out. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, yeah. There's an enterprise. A lot I'm of enterprise. Need. I'll let y'all a explain it to enterprise. me because I haven't watched all of Enterprise. Actually, I I got so, most of the references because I'm in you know because I have a Star Trek podcast. But 
<laughs> but if you oh, yeah, so okay, so so, so the, Idris Elba's character uh, Crawl was it Crawl? Crawl, what was yeah, his name? Crawl. What was his name? Crawl. Yeah. He was in the shit, <laughs> and but he was specifically and, in the shit from season three of Enterprise. Exactly, he was suffering from some like post terrorism. Who do we fight now? Mm-hmm. Like post nine eleven type shit, because season three was a direct response to nine eleven mm-hmm. in Enterprise. We have a character now, 16 years later, having to deal with the ramifications of a post 9-11 world. Well, OK, yeah, you have. Well, you're There's something called t- the Zindi, right? There's the Zindi yeah, and Romulan okay, so, Wars. Uh, in, the, in the continuity, the Earth is attacked by this uh, ra- alien race called the Zindi who attack Earth because they've been given some sort of premonition that Earth will destroy the Zindi in a future date. So they go back in the past and destroy and do like a first strike. It cuts like a swath of like a like a laser strike. Yeah, they burn like a laser from like Florida to like the Congo. I don't know to the Amazon or something. Well, and the Zindi, they're they're all on one planet, but they're different species. It's a coalition of the willing, if you yeah. will. And they're uh, in this. They decide to do a preemptive strike on Earth because they have it on good authority. They're in a strange sort of section of space where you can't get to easily, so they can drag right. it out for a season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. And okay, so so w- the Enterprise was going to go and try and lead this sort of retaliatory attack because it was believed that the Zindi are going to attack again, come back and like blow the whole damn planet up. So they they take off. The Enterprise crew takes off, but they take with them a group of a mem- of this is pre Federation American military officers that are called Makos. What's that stand for? Uh, Marine armament. I don't Marine something. We suck as Star Trek fans. Military Assault Command Operations. So in those Makos, which is led by Stephen Culp in the show, and there's several characters throughout the third season that are new characters for the show. Apparently Idris Elba was one of them because it was the only Makos that came in contact with the Zindi. You know, because they say there's hundreds of them on the ship. You meet like 20 of them over the course of the season. I was going to say more like six, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes, six with speaking right. roles. Uh, one of which is a girl plays a third partner to the main love triangle, but nonetheless, apparently Idris Elba was one of them. And then afterwards, in the famously, there was a fifth season of Enterprise that got got canceled before they made it, but it was going to completely be the Romulan War that's talked about in the original series Star Trek, the long Romulan War that we fought. Right. They the Federation. No, fought. we we fought it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Yeah, we fought. It was us. We're Federation. We're Federation. So he fought that, too. And then there was this long stretch of peace after the Romulan War, which is where Star Trek takes place. This guy was apparently abandoned on a planet and like everyone died. But they found some sort of alien technology that kept him alive for like 200 years. Now, wait or something, a minute. Right. No, no, I think it was like 100, 100 years. Or Let's say it's 100 years. Because, that makes right. Because Scotty in the first movie... It's weird because in the first Kelvin movie, Scotty references trying his trans warp technology on Admiral Archer's prize beagle. The beagle, oh, the, the dog be- that he had. Yeah. Oh, he killed. So there's, a, there's an Enterprise reference in the first Kelvin Universe movie. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. That I did. I well, I it, it was certainly lost on me. Oh yeah. Well, but but I never saw it. Scotty, yeah. Scotty's there, and he says trans warp is impossible. Uh, I tried it on Admiral Archer's Price Beagle, and that's how was, he got he ble- stranded on that ice planet. Archer stranded him there because he 
did that to his beagle. Oh. Well, so archers, people live a long time it's in the future. Weird. Wait a minute, though. He probably, went through, a hold few, on, he hold probably on. went through a few beagles, right? I'm on memory alpha trying to figure this is it, out. Is this bothering you now that the, the time... It's bothering me because it's it's a drastic. It time is difference. a drastic time difference. That's what bothers me too. Well, you know, while you're looking it up, I'm going to talk about another thing that bothers me, and it's the use of yeah, the Beastie Boys it. in this movie. <laughs> See, that was a problem. <laughs> that doesn't bother that me at all. Me. I, it bothered me in the trailer. It didn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. It bothered me. It like bothered. the use of it didn't bother me. Like how it blew up those ships kind of was like wait i thought it was just disrupting the telepathic connection that they needed to pilot that that but critique it, I'm more it online irritated with. me in the first movie it just it it completely it, like from a generational up. standpoint for somebody who was 16 years old when first contact came out and all those fucking baby boomers who love star trek the next generation got so tickled when ccr was featured in first contact and i'm a 16 year old kind of like rolling my eyes at how ridiculous that is playing your 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 favorite generational in a pop culture big pop culture movie i was kind of like oh that's kind of lame to do that and here I am. But, but it's sabotage, get it? It's I like they're sabotage. Well, and it's a callback from the first. It's <laughs> no, a callback just... from the 2009 movie. Where, where, yeah, where yeah. Kirk, so, no, I, you know, so I, I, BC Boys has been in every one of the Kelvin movies, I'm pretty sure. Me. It irritates me as somebody who, I just, just, there's this generation. Hey, this is Star Trek. They should be playing public domain. Exactly. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I don't know. Is that Clint? Uh, Camp Town Races instead of this, instead of this music they had to pay rights for. Or, Klingon opera would have worked. No, I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, some people that's not going to work for, and I'm and I'm okay with that. It was fine for me. But Wait, hold on, I'm going to Robert Orchi, <laughs> one of the writers for Star Trek, answered the question in 2009. Forget that it was Admiral Archer. Is the Beagle mentioned Portia, the, the veterinary science advanced that much? And he said yes. So they've just been keeping him alive, the dog alive. But Archer due is, to... would have had to have been taking that same medicine as his dog. <laughs> they said they, to do it to do the math it'd be 104 years old i think probably oh. it's easy easier to n- disregard that line from the movie <laughs> because yeah. it makes well, no- <laughs> we can also get angry nerd corner about sulu's kid being born already because in the prime universe sulu doesn't have a kid until like i don't know well after oh, yeah, his well, age now but yeah because it's but who, but who cares <laughs> Well, that line in the first movie was directly, it was fan service, is what it was. It was right. a direct uh-huh. connection. It's fan service. And exactly, yeah. Right. Well, it's, and it's the same fan service. The, whatever Sulu's kid's name in this movie is the same one as in the Prime Universe. And I, it might even be Voyage Home where they bring up how he has a kid in the future or something. And he's like, I wonder who the mother is. Yeah. Like, yeah. And in Star Trek Generations, like I was saying, he has. He has a daughter, and yeah, it, and then I think at some point Sulu says, well, "I wonder who the mother is," and even that could be like a wink about him being gay, but it's not because Sulu was upset that we retconned Gene Roddenberry's vision or whatever. But that so anyway, the Enterprise fan service is probably better. It's it's better in this one. I liked the design of the U.S. Franklin. Did you, did you guys read about the Franklin name? Did you guys know where that came from? Uh, you want me to tell you? I knew that its registration number is uh, Spock's birthday. Okay. Uh, the U.S. Franklin is named after Justin Lin's dad, who was named Frank, and his last oh, name was Lin. Oh, that's right. I did and hear that. And what they did, uh, well, on the nameplate, there is a little bit of a space where it's like Frank and then tiny, like a, like enough of a, a uh, space in the 
in the font where you mm-hmm. can see it's like Frank and then Lynn. But I mean, it, Franklin, right? Um, but That's nice. So he did that as a as a tribute to his father, who was a big Star Trek fan. Oh, yeah, that's cool. or and the registration number it might be Leonard Nimoy's birthday, but it's either yeah, I think. And I know that it's NX t- instead of NCC because it has not achieved warp five. Is that right? No, well NX are what they put for. It's not a Federation ship. It's NX is what they do for experimental ships. Oh, okay, yeah, you're and, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, nerd check. <laughs> but, uh, Fine. I think uh, overall, I think you guys like this more than I did. I think I'm I'm a little bit persnickety in, in what I want in a Star Trek movie now that we've got to this point. Yeah, like I, it's not everything I wanted, but it's the most of what I wanted. Yeah, like I don't like. I felt like I would have liked a more refined MacGuffin. Yeah, and I, and maybe a little bit better crawl, but the MacGuffin thing was the biggest problem. I felt me. like crawl was poorly yeah, handled. Was. Um, I feel like obviously you have a great uh, actor. Yeah. I don't really know mm-hmm. why they why they hamstrung him. First off, speaking English poorly early on, and then giving him all of this sort of facial CGI shit going going on throughout the thing. Oh right, and he's a he's an energy vampire. We, but that yes. wasn't even we don't even clearly, discuss that. That wasn't even clearly explained, or you you know no, what I mean? No, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'm I mean I'm I'm I guess I'm fine because I feel like the movie. The one thing I think the movie was was light on its feet. I mean, you yeah. don't you don't really spend a lot of time anywhere, so you're kind no, of uh, that's true. And and who was a, who were all the other aliens in the swarm ships? Well, I assume it looked that like they were... they're the aliens from the Halo series of sense. video games. They, yeah, that's true. They don't that doesn't <laughs> they make look any like sense. Halo aliens. And who the fuck was Jayla's guy that she's fighting? And then Manu. Yeah, like what was her? I mean, her parents are obviously from some sort of alien race that is not indigenous to the planet. So I don't really understand how that. Maybe they well, went in over a hundred years. He would just snare people into tra- into the traps and just collect right. That people. that didn't bother me either because she's just somebody that got caught and then he killed their fam- her family. But then his right man hand second in command that she has that battle. Mini she's boss. Like, yeah. He killed. Yeah, the one that he killed her father and so they had this big, mm-hmm. big fight and then she gets teleported away and we don't. Maybe is are they leaving him around to show up in the next movie or something? Because oh god, no. he was like the guy's right hand man, and now he's gone. Yeah, I th- and and they, he doesn't come back out to do anything. It's like she teleports away, and that's the last we see that guy. And he wasn't. Yeah, no, I like Jayla too. I, liked her too. I just yeah. I, wait, uh, first off, was the right hand man a member of the crew? I thought that's what it was. I think so. I think I thought that was because they code him idea. as deceased later at the yeah. end they, there they, must be a deleted scene or something you know what? I, don't know. I think a lot of his henchmen were the crew and that's another thing that he's like we're all alone out here like teamwork doesn't work i'm like these guys stuck with you for a hundred years from your, <laughs> and you're telling me that teamwork doesn't work i don't understand it's a little bit of a contradiction here yeah because they're you're right at the end of the movie they close the case on a lot of the crew and what happened to them right Yes. Yeah. Well, the whole career of the Franklin's been an un, you know, an open, a cold case for the Federation for a hundred years. So yeah. So all of that stuff, I felt like if the movie had one problem, it was that it was just like uh, most J.J. Abrams movies, it was maybe too tightly edited. Where I felt like if the movie was ten minutes longer, but we got like three three minute scenes that helped sort of flesh some of this shit out, I'd have been fine with that. I mean, like that. Yeah. Like the problem with crawl is that we didn't see crawl enough. So for most of our experience with him throughout the course of the movie, he's 
pretty one-dimensional. And by the time he brings multidimensionality to the character, it's in not just like the third act, but like the late third act, the last five minutes, 10 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so that's, so you, you get like all this rushed characterization then, which is useless. But I think overall, like I was, I was the way that they want when you split up and have to come back together and then have to figure out a way to stop this giant swarm. I was with them through the whole thing. And so I, I liked that I felt like that's what Simon Pegg brought to mm-hmm. it is that each action was a logical offshoot from the next scene where that's something J.J. Abrams struggles with and specifically Robert Orsi struggles with is each 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 action was logically derived at from the 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 previous action. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And it still felt sort of epic. I felt like everybody got their moments. Sulu got his sort of badass trying to launch the Franklin out of the orbit and. Right, you know. yeah. Kira got to say, I mean, not Kira. <laughs> She's not in this movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Old habits die hard here on, on Wheels of Acquisition. <laughs> Uhura, Uhura, Uhura got to say, let's kick some ass, which is something that nobody in Star Trek should ever say. really say, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Especially not from, yeah, come on. You're not. Mm-hmm. It's not about, let's kick some ass. They made the classical okay. music joke uh, again, which I think is a music, it's just a joke from the fourth one, whatever, the whale one. Star Trek oh, yeah, Thor, yeah. the whale one. Right. The voyage home. <laughs> voyage home, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Star Trek Save the Whales is pretty um, identifiable <laughs> to most people. Yeah, Save the Whales, yeah. I think that this movie felt a lot like that movie to me. I felt like that they they captured some of the spirit of that movie. Yeah, I mean, even one of the people I saw the movie with didn't like it because it was too goofy. And I was like, uh, you're not a Star Trek fan, are you? Right. Like, no, not yeah. really. You got it, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be a movie that, if I could see it on a higher contrast at home, maybe I would enjoy more. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, the movie seemed physically dark to you. Literally. You guys, yeah, I think this one should have been called Star Trek Into Darkness because I couldn't see shit for a third of it. <laughs> Do you guys think that, that now I hate to, to bring the podcast down. It's kind of a bummer. But do you think the character Layla is going to take Chekhov's place in the next movie? Yeah, I, I'm assuming that if they bring her back, she's going to, because they're yeah. not going to bring well, back uh, Chekhov just because they can't. And then, you know, they're, I mean, everybody's totally super bummed out about that, you know. And and they've come out and said, we're not going to replace them. No, we can't, we can't replace them. So, yeah. So she she might be the new I agree. Uh, position on the show. And I would like that a lot. I think that would be a really... Yeah. yeah, they could they could definitely use use more powerful female characters on the bridge. And let's be honest yeah. about the character of Chekhov. He's not in any of the first season, and that first season's like forty episodes long, and like half two thirds of the ones you remember. Right. Well, no, they brought him on because they needed a young guy. Yeah. You know, like the with the shag haircut for they needed kids. a Davy Jones is actually yeah, like yeah. exactly what they thought. Yeah. So there's that, and I don't feel like Chekhov even in season two and three did anything particularly to outshine other reoccurring characters that we don't think of. Like there's a character that reoccurred through several in season one, just some grumpy guy. Yeah. 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 And I just, I felt like that Chekhov didn't shine till the movies. Right. But I mean, he became a part of that. If Anton Yeltsin were around, you would keep putting Chekhov. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh yeah. 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 No. Yeah. His version of Chekhov is pretty much my favorite because he does cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. really smart. He's precocious. He's full of life. And that's what you want to see 
Right, right. Yes, he's Russian, they... but he knows that vodka's shit, so he drinks scotch. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was a clever scene. Uh, and the thing that I like about it is that because they play Sulu, as Sulu seems the most different interpretation mm-hmm. because Sulu was sort of, if you go back and watch it, Sulu felt young in the mo- yeah, in the yeah. show. And in the in this, he seems like he's like, you know, just like everyone else. He's the best of the best at the business. He's been doing this for years. And in the other, in the original show, you just felt like that, like he was pretty young and maybe a little green. So I felt like he seems the most, well, Uhura seems the most different, but like, yeah, yeah. he seems pretty different too than the original character representation. But uh, Carl Urban, let's talk about Carl Urban for a second. Oh, he's great. He's I love these. He's the glue that he's the he's the glue that holds these movies together. Oh yeah, even outside of it, he's like he's the one that goes to conventions. He's oh, the yeah. biggest Star Trek fan out of all of them. Honestly. Well, he's sort of a conven- He's had a convention as career, right? Just dread Lord of the Rings, dread this. Yeah, so he's a he's a convention threefer. Oh yeah, and eventually he'll take a Marvel role in oh, something. Yeah, yeah. But he's so, also just just legitimately was already a, a big Star Trek fan before. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was probably, yeah, of all the cast, he's probably the most, he's got, he's the most bona fide. And I guess I should have piggybacked this off of talking about uh, Anton Yelchin. But uh, the Spock death in this, like where the actual original timeline Spock oh, dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Leonard Nimoy died and they deal with it in a way is both sort of an homage to Leonard Nimoy, obviously an homage to the character of Spock because he's never died. Well, he, he's died twice now, but well, yeah, he, he always came back before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, one of the things I appreciate about, appreciate about the first movie is it's, it sort of piggybacks on where Spock was in the end of the Next Generation storyline. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Ambassador Spock and yeah. Yeah, and trying to fix Romulan. Mm-hmm. And then this is piggybacks off that. But the idea of how he was treated in death, like I felt like maybe I felt like if Leonard Nimoy was still with us and said he didn't want to be in the movie, those scenes wouldn't have been in the oh, movie. Oh, yeah, most definitely. This is. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've, they're they pretty open about that, too. They're like, we did that. To, that it was just an yeah, homage. Yeah. But it also works for, you know, they also set up that Spock wants to quit. And it's, you know, and that actually works for the film you believe it because it's it's an homage to Nimoy but it's also it's emotional and you buy that he wants to go mm-hmm. fix or uh, repopulate Vulcan or whatever yeah that seemed like that was a great one what I didn't get is him changing his mind like I didn't see sufficient evidence that he didn't need to go back and make more Vulcan oh yeah it's not the logical really <laughs> yeah true, that's yeah. the truth it's the love yeah that's the thing is I also I hate that if I had to hate anything most about Abrams Trek I hate I don't hate Zachary Quinto I hate the characterization of Spock because in the original oh, wow. series, Spock Hate is a strong word. I, I, it's not Zachary Quinto. Zachary Quinto is doing a great performance. It's that I don't like Spock as a man torn between two states of being. Oh, yeah. That wasn't Spock from the show. No. Yeah. Spock from the show knows exactly. Yeah. Spock was a Vulcan. I mean, he was, he had an Earth mother, but in all ways, Spock was a Vulcan and was a representation of how Vulcans were to act. Where in the show, they make him as torn between these human emotions. And in each movie, he breaks down in this, like, Mm -hmm. sort of emotional thing, like he does in Ponfar, the uh, Amok Time. Is that what the episode's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he does in a muck time, but like a mock time, a mock which is a time. word that nobody, uh, nobody knows what that means. Yes, I was like, I can't, I, I don't know how to pronounce it because it's not a fucking word. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Why does their most famous episode of Star Trek 
have like a fucking dumb title. <laughs> I like, don't know. It makes no sense. Hey, I think like, it's great. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it is one of the best episodes. It is definitely the most. The Trouble with Tribbles is probably the most famous. It's the second most famous episode of Star Trek. It's yeah. a dumbass fucking title. So like, I don't. I never liked that about it. And so they didn't do that in this one. He doesn't like punch anybody in the face. I guess he like figures out he loves Ahura. Right. But that's not like him raging with emotion, like Wolverining out. Like is what I thought. Right. Me. Right. In the first two movies. So yeah, yeah. That might be all I have to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> since we are a Deep Space Nine podcast, uh, <laughs> the Yorktown. Yeah. Let's talk about the space station, shall we? Oh, that's a great, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah let's end on that. Well, before we wrap up, let's just talk about it. The Yorktown in relation to Deep Space Nine. Oh, Deep Space Nine looks like a piece of shit compared to the Yorktown. <laughs> yes, it certainly does. <laughs> Which, okay, fine. We'll say that it's because Deep Space Nine was built by the Cardassians, and who knows how long ago. Sure. And it's it's a lot smaller. They don't have the aesthetic or the desire to build this. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. Yorktown, to me, it looked like the planet where the Nova Corps is stationed in Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I think that they... Especially in the art design stages of a lot of this, they struggled with the they struggled with Guardians of the Galaxy. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that something about that movie stuck in their crawl. No, no pun intended. So, like, I think that there was something about it that just really got to them because that first trailer was clearly like trying to like rip off Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And you're right, all of the sequences in there look like Guardians of the Galaxy on the Yorktown. I mean, first off, from a Deep Space Nine perspective, it looks like the original prototype for Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It. I believe Michael Okoda designed, and then they decided because it was a pure like sort of uh what do you call those little wheels you put the rope and you take the rope gyroscope like it was like a perfect gyroscope and then they cut the tops off on deep they just decided to cut the tops off because i think it looked cooler Mm -hmm. for deep space nine but this is more like a perfect gyroscope where you have all these spokes yeah well even to the extent that it has this center of gravity in the middle that they can Mm -hmm. just fly all around at the final scene with crawl and spurt and mm-hmm. kirk and they and the, and the thing just aesthetically that justin lynn does in this whole movie every shot start starts on something small where you're not sure what it is and then it zooms out to a different perspective and every shot yeah. moves the whole the whole movie moves like that which you know like it or it's not the most disorienting it was the most it would have been if i was there it would be the most disorienting place on earth yeah and I tend to think that if humans could ever build, uh, achieve greatness and build something like that, we would because it would skeeze us out. <laughs> Maybe. Like, there's something about, like, fucking looking up and seeing ground. It's, like, fucking weird. You know what? That's I, I disagree with that. Really? I think that, oh, I, compl- I think that we, you and I, Wade, all of us would get on a plane in a minute and go somewhere else. I, I kind of think, I think it would be cool as shit to live on that thing. Yeah, yeah. I think humans do stuff that skeeze yeah, yeah. ourselves out all the time. Yeah, I think it would be cool as shit, and I think that humanity, hundreds of years from now, if we have the ability to do as cool as shit stuff, we will. If we can build a space elevator, well, people will be going up and down that shit no, all the that's time. No, I'm not saying that we're not going to do these technological things. I'm saying that something specifically about that design was fucking weird. It, it, and it's disorienting. It is, but I think it's. I think I still think we would build it. <laughs> I think that instead of instead of just having a blank space where you can float around and with a little air thing in the middle... The center of the Yorktown would be a public park where people can fly. <laughs> That's what would happen. <laughs> That's 
that's true. Because you're like, why don't they just make it this way where the people touch the buildings and stuff? It's the same way that in the first two uh, Kelvin movies, why does this ship need to be built out of cliffs? when you need to get to the engineering core. Yeah. That's the most dangerous way to fix a core, a warp core, that I've ever seen. It wasn't like that on Next Generation or even Wrath of Khan, where you can just go into a room to die from radiation, but whatever. Yeah, also, he says a line, and I think it's like a one-off line. Now that you think about it, I'm angry nerd corner to, to me now. He goes, back then they used to build ships in space. Well, this takes place right up until the moment that the Enterprise was commissioned. Like, then they still built ships in space. No, like, the, no, the, the ship, Enterprise, the Enterprise is built, is on built on, in yeah. Iowa. I know, but that was before the timeline changed. I know that in the first one you have to see, it's so that they get that shot of Kirk looking at his destiny in the future by watching them build the Enterprise on in his hometown. But like, it bothers me. It, you're right, that bothers me too. It bothers me they've always, like in Next Generation and everything, they always build them in, in space. They build them in Mar- on Mars, right? I don't know enough to get totally nerd corner about this one. They build them all in space, and they never stop. Oh, is it Jupiter Station? Uh, I think it's Jupiter yeah, Station where they where yeah, they build. Maybe. They, they mm-hmm. have, they have right. a shipyard mm-hmm. on Jupiter Station. Yes, and that's where they build them. Okay. So, like, it, it bo- it, that bothers that bothers me in the first one. It bothered me on this one, too, but I guess they, have, you know, you have to explain right, it. Right, right. So, so, yeah, okay. That might be yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I, I still don't think I would ever want to look up and see ground. It slightly bothered me at the end of Inter- Interstellar when you when he's in the... Those kind of space stations with the roll around thing, that's a staple yeah. in, like, it's in Mass Effect series. Because, because, because it, they have to do that yeah. for the ground. Right, right. That's, yeah. And and they didn't make it up for Mass Effect either. That's just, like, since, the, since m- making these science fiction proposals for how to do a space station they've been yeah. do you guys want me to talk about the total rating do you guys know what it, how well it's done out of 10 stars uh, real quick um, you guys want to i mean it's probably like a 7.5 but i feel like the jury's still out you know it's still coming in yeah it's almost a week yeah. what do you think james yeah i would say 7.5 yeah it's 7.6 oh, really? is that what you guys would think i mean what do you what do you guys give it out of 10 it's like what it's in the eighties on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Yeah, eighty four, I think mm-hmm. percent. What 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 do you guys what would you guys give it out of a hundred? Uh, I mean, it's I'm biased because it, it's a not awful Trek movie. Like I put them on a different scale, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's what I'm. <laughs> uh, so I'd put it like on an eighty five there, maybe. Yeah. I was thoroughly enjoyed, so I was entertained, and so I, yeah, I would I, I would probably go with an eight. Yeah, I think I would give it an eight out of ten. I I got exactly what I. This is the first trick that uh, out of the three, I got exactly what I thought I was gonna get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, sometimes I go in with low expectations and and I have a, a great time, and so it kind of skews how I feel about the movie. Yeah. This, I think I knew what I was going to get going into it. I mean, I could tell from the preview that the Enterprise was going to be destroyed. I could tell that they were going to run around in different outfits. I could tell the Beastie Boys was going to be prominently <laughs> figured. I could tell that there was going to be a dirt bike uh, yeah. in it. So, I mean, I in all that considering, I think the only thing that surprised me was just how dark it was. Not metaphorically, <laughs> just literally it's probably you know it's that was probably a choice because that's all at the beginning when the enterprise gets destroyed and then at the end it's all bright and daylight in the middle of town they probably let's go from darkness like we ended at star trek into darkness and then we're gonna end this film in the light and hopeful for you know the next one everyone's back enjoying their jobs we're right at the end of it, I guess. But yeah, it was it was yeah. and a little too shaky, maybe. It, it was shaky, Cam. I it was, was uh, shaky. 
Very yeah. it's annoying. Yeah, and that's not a, that's not a staple of Justin no, Lin, is I, it? I feel like he thought like, oh, we're doing Star Trek. I have to shake the crown. Like, I thought he was like, or I'm doing Abram stuff. Oh, like, yeah, maybe. But I think Justin Lin's like a lock the camera kind of guy. Yeah, and so so I was especially there were certain sequences that I really enjoyed, like when the you know when the artificial gravity went off, and they're having to run up the walls and do all that stuff. I'm like, oh, I would. Give me a locked camera. For yeah, that yeah. Shit. You know, I don't want to see shaky but, cam. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, no, I was I was pleasantly surprised because if you had asked me two months ago, I would have said this movie's gonna suck. Yeah, yeah. Me and you <laughs> were like, oh, are you seeing it this weekend? You're like, I don't know. I guess maybe. Yeah. So we were the more excited about it than, than you were. I think. Yeah, I thought I was. For, I hate Robert or- Orsi, and then so I just assumed it was gonna be like a, and he's still a producer on it. And no, no, I like this movie. It's good stuff. All right. All right. Well, three to beam out. (laughs) If you enjoyed listening, subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod. Follow us on Tumblr at the Rules of Acquisition Podcast at Tumblr.com. You like Star Trek, right? Deep Space Nine is the best, right? But really, review us on iTunes and we will notice and be very fond of you. Or just keep listening and watching along with us. Or do whatever you want. You know what? Fuck it.